Pastor Todd, I want you to know I've got my offering right here. And I want to encourage everybody and thank you for being so faithful in your giving that is enabling us to, to reach out and to continue to minister with our food bank, continue to support our missionaries around the world and, and our, with our benevolence here in town. Lord, we just, I'm just thankful for all that you do in uh, being faithful. Today I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation. When we, when we speak about the book of Revelation, many times in the minds of people, they go, oh no, I'm not really in tune or not really excited about that book. And, and there's different reasons why. One of the reasons is that there, it's, the book of Revelation is, is filled with various um, visions that God gives John and he writes them down and some of them are, seem very mysterious to us. Uh, some of the things that we see taking place are very troubling and frightening. And uh, many times people say, well, I, I just, I'm not interested in the book of Revelation. And then there's a whole other group of people that just love the book of Revelation and they're, they're just studying it to, to find out to some kind of insight into what the future is going to hold and what it's going to be like. And both groups can miss the most important thing about this book. And that is that it is a revelation of Jesus Christ. The number one thing that we see in this book is Jesus. And today I want to talk to you about seeing our King. I want you to, to look with me in, in chapter 1, and I want us to read a, a good, good portion of this chapter. We're going to go down to verse 9 and begin there, if you would, with me. It starts off, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation. Notice, John is saying, we're all in this together. I, I, I go through tribulation as well, but I'm part of your family. He says, in tribulation and in kingdom and patience of, the, of Jesus Christ was on the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Notice, he was there for a purpose. Even though it wasn't pleasant, and we'll get into that later, John was there for the purpose of God. God was going to reveal His Word to John. John was to take that Word of God, to pass it down to the, the seven churches, and then pass down throughout the generations to us. And it also, notice he says, I was here for the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's powerful. Wherever we are, whatever God's called us to do, whatever we're doing, where, whatever, we need to understand that we are to be a testimony for the reality of Jesus Christ. The reality of how a life that surrendered Him can be transformed and changed and never again the same. And I want to tell you right now, even in the midst of the struggles of life this current time, you are a testimony for Jesus Christ. Be that testimony. Be that light. Be that salt to the world. Let's go on. Look at verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. That's my prayer for you. Today is the Lord's day. And I pray that you are in the Spirit. You're allowing the Spirit of the living God to minister to you and, and to just have His way in your heart and in your life. 
He says, and I heard behind me a loud voice as, a, as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Notice the se- later on we're told that the lampstands represent the churches. Notice that Jesus is right there in the midst of the churches. And it says He's clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Hallelujah. What a great passage of Scripture. What a wonderful truth that that we're, we're being taught by John in this passage. And I want us to see, church, that Jesus appearing here in the beginning of the book of Revelation. John is not just adding this and describing what he's seeing in Jesus to add a little panache to the book. He's not trying to, to, to do anything other than for us to see and to grasp the character, the power, the might, the glory, the majesty of our King. He wants us to understand what He was experiencing, what He was seeing right there at that moment, in that time, and that we can experience that same Jesus. Hallelujah. How many want to experience that same Jesus today? I do. I want a fresh outpouring of Jesus in my life today. It's interesting that many Bible scholars believe that John was between 80 and 95 years of age at this time. It had probably been over 60 years since John saw Jesus ascend into heaven. And this is the first time that he has seen Jesus in all of His glory, in all of His majesty, He's seeing the glorious King of kings and Lord of lords. And He falls at His feet as dead. He's overwhelmed with what He sees. He's overwhelmed by the power of His Creator, His Lord, His Master, His Savior, His Deliverer. And church, it's my desire today as we look at this text 
that you would be overwhelmed by seeing the glimpse of the King. That you would see uh, Jesus in a way that you've never seen Him before. Just like John saw Jesus on that day. He had never seen Jesus like He saw Him. Like He encountered Him on that day. And my prayer for you today is that you would see Jesus in a fresh, new, glorious way. He is the King of glory today. Amen. I love that. I want us to see first of all His voice sounding like the thunder of a thousand waterfalls. Hallelujah. This statement speaks of the power of God's Word. It speaks of the power of God speaking into your life today. In church, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of things that are taking place today. I want you to understand that. There's a lot of things going on. And the world is a voice. There's voices coming at us from every different direction. But there is one voice that thunders above all the noise of the world. And it's the voice of Jesus Christ shouting out to you today that you are loved, that you are cared for, that He is right there with you, that He will see you through. Can you say amen to that church? Can you shout hallelujah? the word of God is powerful it's still going forth he still speaks to his sheep his sheep hear his voice they're comforted they're encouraged and they're strengthened the the second thing in this appearance of Jesus I want us to see is his garment draping the full length of his body this was the garment not of a servant, but this was the garment church of a master. It was a full-length robe. It was a garment of honor and a a garment of strength and power because it acknowledges that our King is master of all. He's master in the circumstances that you're in right now. He's master if you allow Him in your life and in your family. He's master in whatever you face. And church, I want to reassure you, there is no other master. There's no master greater than our King. And that's the King I want you to see today. He is master of this world. He's master of this universe. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is in control. There's many people that want to talk about many different ways to God today. There's people that will tell you that you can have one master, Jesus can be your master, but someone else will say, well, Buddha's my master. And if they submit to Buddha, he is their master. But there is a master that is above every God that's ever been thought of or mentioned. Every God, every person, every king. And it's our Jesus. Jesus is the master of all. And we can rejoice in that today. I'm thankful that He's my Master. And I pray that He's your Master too. The third thing I want us to see today, church, is His chest band 
woven of pure and refined gold. That speaks of a royal ornament. He's, it shows of his dignity, his purity, his authority. And what I want us to see is that it, it, it's trademarks of his rule. His rule is a rule of purity. His rule is a rule of perfection. The gold that's refined, it's pure. It's perfect. And the God that we serve is perfect and His rule is perfect. His reign is perfect. His rule is pure. His reign is pure. You never have to doubt the rule of our God in your life as being anything other than perfect and pure. Hallelujah. In the world today, we have authority that is over us. Around the world, there are presidents or dictators or kings. And as we look at those individuals that are in these places of authority, God's Word calls us to pray for them. And they need prayer because they're fallen humans. They make mistakes. And many times we see corruption in those kingdoms or those countries because the rulers aren't letting Him master their life and they're ruling not in purity and not in perfection. But church, when we surrender to Jesus as King, He will always rule in your life with purity and perfection. Amen. Thank you, Lord. The fourth thing, His head and His hair radiate a covering of the Shekinah glory of God Almighty. It rests upon Him. This speaks of a mantle of wisdom. It speaks... Of, of God's glory that surrounds Him. The Shekinah glory of God. And when we surrender to Him, when He is our King and our Master, we surrender our lives to Him. Not only do we see that glory of God in His life, but He welcomes us to experience that glory of God in our own lives, in our own families. In Isaiah chapter 4, it tells us that the glory of God is a canopy over God's people. And you can experience that right now. Lord, let Your glory be a canopy over my family. Let it be a canopy over me and my life. Let it be a canopy over our church. Let it be a canopy, Lord, wherever I go. I want people to know that You are with me. That the glory of God surrounds me. Lord, that that mantle of Your glory rests upon Your children. That there's evidence of Your glory in our lives. I don't know about you, but I long for that with all my heart. I welcome that, Lord. Let people see the glory of God in me. The fifth thing I want us to see in this beautiful picture of Jesus. His eyes are ablaze with fire. There's two things there. It's a mixture. It's a mixture of the, the tenderness and the love that Jesus has for us. I'm thankful that when uh, I look into the eyes of Melinda, it's been almost 40 years. In July, we'll be married 40 years. And I still see that tenderness, that caring, that love when I look into her eyes that I saw when I first asked her to be my wife. We see that in this picture of, of a 
of a king that is benevolent, a king that, that loves us. And when we look into his eyes, we see that warmth and that tenderness and that love. But there's also another picture that we see in the eyes of an all-knowing king. The eyes that penetrate and they, they see into the very depths of our lives, into the core of our being. Those eyes, we cannot hide from Him anything. But we are uncovered. And church, the great thing is, even though He knows us like no one else knows us, He still loves us. He knows us more intimately than anyone else. He knows our failures. He knows our faults. He knows the things that we try to hide from, from people that, that, that we care about or those that we may not just met, but we're hiding things that we don't want them to know about us. But Jesus knows everything about you today and He still loves you and He still wants to be that benevolent King of glory in your life. So look into those tender eyes today. See that love. But know that love is also penetrating. And He knows everything about you. Everything that's going to take place in your life. And He will guide you and direct you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. The sixth thing, His feet are a study in authority. In Scripture, as we look at Scripture throughout Scripture, feet have to do with dominion and authority. In Joshua, the Lord speaks to him and says, every place that the sole of your foot treads, I have given you. In the Bible, whatever our feet are placed over, then we have dominion over that. If a person defeats a king and he places his foot on the, king of the, the king's neck showing authority and power and victory over that warring king, that's a, that's a wonderful picture of how our Lord has conquered the enemy. And He wants us to see that today. It also speaks of the feet being bronze. The message there is bronze is tempered by fire. And Jesus' feet have gone through the fire of the suffering of Calvary. His feet have been nailed to the cross. But those same feet that were nailed to the cross now, those feet stand in victory and power and authority and dominion over all the powers of hell today. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, this truth is brought forth again. It says, He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And He put all things under His feet. Did you hear that? He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of Him 
who fills all in all. I love that church. All things are under His feet. All things that we face, all the lies of the enemy, all the strategies of the enemy, all his plans, everything he throws at you, everything that comes against us, everything, including the struggles of the flesh, including just our mistakes from ignorance, anything that we simply just make a mistake and and get into trouble because of it. Our Lord is over it all. Everything is under His feet. Everything is under His feet. Rejoice in that, church. Rejoice in that truth today. The seventh thing John writes about in this appearance of Jesus. His mouth and His hand express the the sword of God's truth, the Holy Scriptures, and the promises of God. And also the power that can slash or slay the enemy. Hallelujah. Church, it's no wonder that John fell at the feet of Jesus. I I want you to just imagine yourself in John's place today. I want you to think about that. You haven't seen Jesus in over 60 years. And all of a sudden, you see Him. Not as when He ascended, but you see Him in all of His majesty, in all of His glory, in all power and dominion and might. You see Him as the King of glory. And you're overwhelmed by the presence of, of your King. And you, you fall as if you were dead. And you begin to worship Him. I love that, I love that picture that we're given there. Church, What we need to see is that the book of Revelation opens with an account of a man worshiping at the feet of Jesus. That's how it opens. It opens with John who was faithful to the Lord, who loved the Lord, and John falls at his feet. It's a position of worship. John is making a choice. He's overwhelmed with the presence of God. He falls at His feet. But it's, it's a position of total surrender. It's a position of worship. And I want to challenge you, church, during this time, during this time where things are uncertain, things aren't normal, things are a struggle, are you surrendered? Are you surrendered? Are, and you, are you taking a position of worship to your King? Are you seeing Him in all of His glory, all of His power, all of His might? And are you surrendered to Him? And are you worshiping Him? If you want to know, church, if you want to know how that we enter into troubling times or face tribulation and face uncertainty, you face it, in a posture of keeping your eyes on the glorious King of Kings and you fall down in surrender and you worship Him with all your heart and might. That's how you face it. There's something else I want us to see. Back in verse 9, Revelation chapter 1, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation, and kingdom and patience of Christ Jesus was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
Patmos was a Greek island. It was about seven and a half miles long and about six miles wide. It was a volcanic island. It was barren of trees for the most part. It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't beautiful. And most of all, we need to understand it was a penal colony for the Romans. And that's where John was. But I want you to think about this. Because John doesn't surrender to what could have overtaken him in this type of oppression. He could have surrendered to complaining and murmuring and griping and and being spiteful and being angry at God and shaking his fist. He could have had a self-pity attitude. Why me, Lord? Why am I having to go through this? But he understood why he was going through that. He was receiving the Word of God for the seven churches and for the, the body of Christ. He understood he was there as a testimony for Jesus in a, showing an example of what a life looks like when it's totally surrendered to God. He was there, church, and what he chooses instead of picking up all the the bitterness or resentment or all those things that he could have laid hold of, he takes hold uh, and says, I'm going to have a heart of worship. I have seen the King, the King of kings, the King of glory in all of His beauty, in all of His majesty. I have seen the King. And it's powerful, church, and I want you to see that. I want you to take hold of that. We, there's an old song that we used to sing when I was a kid, an old hymn. It was entitled, We Shall See the King. We shall see the King. We shall see the King when He comes. He's coming in power. (laughs) Hallelujah. But church, I don't want to wait till the day that I'm called up to be with Jesus to see Him, I want to see Him in all of His glory right here, right now, in the midst of all the things that we're going through. And I hope that you want to join me in that. I want us to see this when it comes to worship. Worship unlocks heaven's provision for our weaknesses. Worship unlocks heaven's provisions or heaven's strength for our weaknesses. It's interesting that most of the features that are given to us here by John are repeated at some point, either in chapter 2 or chapter 3. And that points us to the understanding that Jesus is worthy of our worship for these qualities. And what I, what I want us to see is that when it's mentioned among the churches, the attributes, it's mentioned after Jesus points out an area of need in the church. In other words, Jesus says, I have this against you. This is where you need to improve. And then He tells the church, here I am in your midst. I am the King of glory and I have what you need for that area in your life where you're weak did you get that church I love that why because I'm weak why because you're weak all of us are weak our flesh is weak 
But when we're weak, He is strong. And I want us to see that, church. That's what Jesus was telling the churches. He's saying, this is an area you need to work on. You need to give this to me and allow me to bring strength in that area. In other words, Jesus is the answer. He has everything in Himself that will answer to the areas of our weakness. Where are you weak today? Are you weak in fear? He will overcome that fear. You just keep your eyes on Him. Wherever you're weak today, let Jesus bring His strength and His power and His might. Can you say amen to that, church? The third thing about worship I want us to see is that worship aligns us with the heavenly throne. I want you to notice this. In Revelation chapter 4, in verse 2, it says, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Note in this passage that the throne was set in heaven. That's an important statement. It means that the kingdom of God is immovable. The kingdom of God is unshakable. The kingdom of God is the ultimate kingdom. There is no other kingdom that is greater than the kingdom of the Lord of glory. There's no other kingdom, church. Now there are other kingdoms that desire to rule your life. There's no doubt there are other kingdoms that want to rule your life. Kingdoms of the flesh. The flesh wants to rule your life. And you can let the flesh rule your life. But if the flesh rules your life, you're going to be compelled by the flesh. You're going to be compelled by your emotions and, and whatever's taking place and whatever the flesh wants to do. And that leads to destruction of your life. And others will surrender and allow the kingdom of darkness to rule their lives. And it brings destruction. But there are those of us who recognize the King of glory. And we say, King of glory, I want Your kingdom to always rule my life. Is that your heart today, church? Is that your heart? There's something else in the fourth chapter of Revelation that I want us to see. It's in verse 8. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. In this biblical description of the throne, if we look at the other passages where it's mentioned, there's two things that stand out. The glory of God and these living creatures. These living creatures were in close proximity to the throne. They're around the throne and they're, they're leading and they're stimulating praise and worship. They seem, in, in fact, to not only lead and stimulate praise and worship, but church, they're also... It seems that they're wanting to draw everyone in. They're wanting to draw everyone in to the throne. To come in alignment with them and acknowledge this is the universal throne. The King of all kings. And I submit to Him. And I give Him praise. And I worship Him in spirit of truth. He is holy, holy, holy. I love that. 
When we come into alignment with the throne of God, with our worship and our praise, Psalm 22 and verse 3, I love that little psalm, that verse there in that psalm. It says that when we worship and praise Him, that He is enthroned in our praises. We are literally coming in alignment, acknowledging the King of glory and welcoming His rule in our lives. In John or James chapter 4, verse 10 and 8, it tells us to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. That's exactly what was taking place in the life of John. It also tells us to draw near to God, and He will draw near to us. Church, are you drawing near to God today? If you are, then you can rest assured God is drawing near to you. And in chapter 4 of Revelation, it points us to the throne. Our worship will open a way for His kingdom, rule, and power to come and to overrule the circumstances that are in our lives. And I don't care who you are. It doesn't matter if you're Billy Graham, some great TV evangelist. You have a church of 20,000 or more. It doesn't matter. All of us face struggles. All of us face times like like we're going through now, difficult things are taking place. And sometimes during those times, there will be things that will try to come and take hold and bring rulership into our lives that doesn't belong there. And church, when we worship and we praise God, we're aligning with the throne, we're welcoming that worship and that praise to bring His kingdom rule into our lives to overrule whatever else is trying to rule us right now. I want you to join me and I want you to say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I surrender to you right now. You are the King of glory and whatever is, is in my life that's trying to come and rule my life, it may be fear, it may be intimidation, it may be a sickness or disease. Whatever that is trying to rule my life, Lord Jesus, I come and I agree with Pastor Milt right now and I welcome, Lord, your kingdom rule and your power to come and overrule what's trying to rule in my life. The fourth thing I want us to see is that worship brings the release of divine deliverance. I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. And I want you to read with me verses 8 through 14. And what I want us to see here is a powerful truth. It's another uh, eruption of praise and worship. Look at verse 8, chapter 5 of Revelation. Now when He had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, 
And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the, the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped Him who lives forever and ever. Hallelujah. Another glorious eruption of praise and worship taking place in heaven. And I want you to see, church, something powerful. Because we get concerned about what's going to take place in, in other parts of, of, of Revelation. And, and we, we, we get concerned about all of the, the, the terrible things that are going to take place. Church, you don't have to worry about that. And what I want us to see is right here. After the six seals are broken... The seventh seal is not broken until we read of another great eruption of high praise and worship. And there's a powerful truth there today. Judgment comes to this earth to bring deliverance. Did you hear that, church? God brings judgment to the earth to bring deliverance. And the book of Revelation speaks of the ultimate deliverance that God's going to bring. And through this judgment, it's not about judgment. It's about the deliverance. Hallelujah! God's going to rid this world of all the sin and the corruption, all the pain and the heartache. God's going to deal with it. And so I want you to see the significance when God's people are looking for a breakthrough. In church, we're looking for a breakthrough. Amen? We're looking for a breakthrough. We've been praying for revival. We've been praying for God to move. God's given us words and we believe that God is stirring our hearts. There's going to be a revival. It's not just going to be in our church. It's not just going to be in our city or state. It's going to be in our nation. We're praying for a mighty move of God in our nation. And what I want you to see, there are those that come to church with the attitude, we've got to think outside the box and we've got to have a, a greater program for this or a greater program for that or it's going to be something that we do that's different and I don't have a problem with thinking outside of the box and doing church different whatever God leads you to do but what I want us to see in this passage is our a program of man is not what's going to bring revival it's not what's going to bring a move of God that's going to cleanse and bring deliverance to the hearts and the lives of people. It's people who erupt in praise and worship. Hallelujah. Did you get that, church? The message that we see in Revelation is that when there's praise and there's worship, it moves God's hand. All of these things that are taking place are God 
bringing deliverance to this entire world. It's something that we shouldn't be afraid about. It's something that we should be excited about. It's something that we should just say, Lord, I know that it's coming. I know that it has a purpose, that the judgment is going to cleanse this world from sin. I'm thankful for that today. Hallelujah. If you want to break through, then you're going to be like John. You're going to have a heart that chooses in the difficult circumstances, times of even oppression. You're going to fall down and you're going to worship the King. You're going to see the King. You're going to see His attributes. You're going to see Him in all His glory. And as we begin to worship, then we expect God to begin to move. All of these actions bring the judgment, and it's a judgment against the powers of hell. And it brings the ultimate deliverance to the human race. It brings the ultimate deliverance to this world. And we must learn from Revelation that God's great works of power and deliverance are released when the presence of the Spirit begins to move because His people have a heart to worship and praise even in the midst of difficult times. I want to ask the worship team to come. And we're going to end with a song. It's a new song that uh, the worship team has been working on. It's called, From Graves to Gardens. And it talks about Jesus being the only one. And as they begin to sing this song, I I want you to just begin to enter into a, a spirit of celebration with me. I pray that you would just picture yourself in those great passages that we just read today. That that spirit would just move in your heart. That desire of the Holy Spirit just setting your heart on fire to worship and to praise God with all your strength, with all your might. Because worship in in Revelation, we see it as being spontaneous. Just all of a sudden, erupting in praise. We see it also as being dynamic and explosive. And we see it as being glorious. And church, I want you to join me in that kind of praise and worship. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if He is your King of glory, then you have reason to celebrate today. I committed my heart and my life to Jesus at a very young age. And He has been more than wonderful and more than marvelous, so gracious, so loving, such a benevolent King to me. And I want you to know Him today. If you don't know Him, say yes to Him today. Just invite Him into your life to be your Lord, to be your Savior. Ask Him to forgive you for all your shortcomings and all your sins. Ask Him to bring His kingdom rule, the Creator's rule, the One who created you and designed you for a plan and for a purpose. Let Him bring that kingdom design plan and unfold it in your life that you can fulfill the purpose that God created you for. Hallelujah. I love that. When we're centered on Jesus, our glorified King, we surrender all. We take that posture of worship. We're going to see God do wonderful and marvelous things, church.
So I want you just to listen to this song and just, if you know it, sing along with it. Just enter into a spirit of celebration with me today because we have seen the King of glory. We've seen the King of glory. Hallelujah. Search the world, it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, treasures the fame are never enough. And you came along, you put me back together. Every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all and still call me friend. It's the God of the mountain, it's the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Oh, sing that again. There's nothing. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing, nothing is better than you. Oh, you turn morning to dancing. You're the only one who cares. Turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who cares. You're the only. Time is nothing. Oh, there's nothing 
Church, do you believe that? There's nothing better than the Lord. There's nothing better than the King of glory. Hallelujah. I love that new song. I hope it uh, stirs your heart today as we learn it as a church. And we're going to sing it again. And as uh, we close today, I'm just going to invite Melinda to, to pray and especially to pray over the kids at this time. She really misses being with all the kids downstairs. And we just want to bless them today and pray for them. So, honey, would you pray? Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the word that is alive, Father, and such an important part of our life. Father, I just pray that you, uh, you would just continue to speak Revelation 5, Lord. Holy, 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 worthy is the Lamb. Father, you are worthy of our praise and our glory. Father, we invite you to bring deliverance into every situation right now. Lord, no matter where we are, no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter who we are, no matter what our age is or our gender, Father, you bring deliverance, Father. And so we just just uh, ask that you help us to rem uh, remember to just speak out in worship, Father, of you. Speak out the word, Father, that is alive, that brings deliverance today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for each one that has joined us to listen, Father, to hear from you today. And I just bless them in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask all of this in that precious name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to ask the worship team to lead us in this song again. And I want you just to enter into that spirit of celebration in the truth that this song brings about our Lord. God bless you. We'll see you tonight for prayer and worship if you can tune in at 6 p.m. tonight. God bless you. We love you. And I search the world. It couldn't fill me There's empty praise And treasures of faith Are never enough And you came along You put me back together And every desire Is now satisfied Love. Sing it out, there's nothing Oh, there's nothing Better than you Oh, there's nothing Better than you Oh, there's nothing Nothing is better than you And I'm not afraid And still call me friend It's the God of the mountain It's the God of the valley and There's not a place For mercy and grace Won't find me again Oh, there's nothing
So we, we thank you that, uh, that we get to have you, God, that we, we get to call you our God, our Father. We are, are just so thankful for that, Lord. We ask that you would be with us and, and remind us of, of just how much better you are than anything else. As we go through the rest of this week, uh, Lord, as we go through this unusual time, God, that you are truly always and still better than anything. We ask your, your hand and your blessing on our church body that they would see this, God. See the manifestation of just how much better you are than anything. We ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You can support us by giving through the Church Center app or by going online at summitwc.com slash give.